Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the March edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. Let's start with this news article about the news, written by Cassidy Davis. In a digital age, the importance of news literacy can't be forgotten. News literacy is the ability to recognize the standards of fact-based news in order to trust, share, and act on accurate information. In a digital age where information spreads like wildfire, it is becoming more challenging than ever to separate fact from fiction. Anyone has the ability to create and share information, whether true or false. News literacy teaches about the importance of a free press in our democracy while also demonstrating how to decipher credible information to determine what is trustworthy. The digital age poses four major threats to the functioning of a democracy. The constant overwhelming flow of information we receive daily makes it difficult to determine what is fact or fiction. The creation of new, widespread platforms leads to more ways for misinformation to be published in a way that makes it look like it is coming from a credible source. The desire for information to be distributed as fast as possible results in more room for inaccuracy and increases the chance that information shared will be wrong. New algorithms have made it so that much of the information we see reinforces our pre-existing beliefs rather than opening us up to alternative perspectives. Readers are fortunate to have the Crestone Eagle as a source of credible information. However, the closure of hundreds of local newspapers in neighboring rural communities has led to the creation of news deserts in places with smaller populations, leaving individuals to struggle for access to credible news sources and causing vulnerability to misinformation. According to the 2022 State of Local News report, more than one-fifth of the U.S. population, 70 million people, are currently living in news deserts. For this reason, it is now more critical than ever for individuals to assess their news literacy skills and build habits to determine what is true and credible. A healthy society can only exist if the public is well informed. If we can't agree on a set of basic facts, we are unable to make knowledgeable decisions that are for the betterment of our democracy. Although it is impossible for the sharing of misinformation to be eliminated, our society can begin to build habits that fight the spread. The News Literacy Project invites readers of the Crestone Eagle to be part of the movement and think and, quote, think before you share, end quote, by answering the following questions to evaluate the credibility of a claim. Is the information I am sharing authentic? Has it been posted or confirmed by a credible source? Is there evidence that proves the claim? Is the context accurate? Is it based on solid reasoning? A new generation of news literate individuals who demand credible, accurate information will not only amend the foundations of journalism, but will also reshape the standards of a healthy democracy. For more information, visit the website www.newslit.org. Follow at Thinking Before You Share on Instagram, 
or connect with the Thinking Before You Share group on Facebook, and that's Think, capital B, the number 4, capital U, Share, Think Before You Share group on Facebook. And now turning to wildfire-related news, wildfire safety and ongoing fire prevention projects in the Baca Crestone community. This is written by Christina Lakish. February 3rd, 2023. We are so blessed to live in the amazing, naturally beautiful place that is Crestone. The forests, hills, and mountains have all called to our hearts to make our homes here. However, with high desert forests, steep terrain, extreme weather conditions, and drying climate comes the potential for wildfire. We at the Baca Grand Emergency Services Fire Department are hard at work to pre to reduce the risk of a catastrophic fire event using firewise tactics. As of December 2022, we have treated over 143 acres of common areas in the Baca Grant, including the areas of South Crestone Creek between Baca Grant Way and east of Camino Baca Grant, and Willow Creek between Camino Baca Grand and the evacuation road to Firewise Standards. We also recently burned all of the slash materials that have been collected by homeowners over the last two years. This is usually an annual practice. However, due to lack of appropriate weather parameters last winter, we were unable to burn it at that time. Our mitigation efforts are continuing along the Spanish Creek Greenbelt. We are cooperating with community organizations to strategize within the guidelines and requirements of our Colorado State Forest Service Fireways grants to better suit the aesthetic preferences of community members who access and recreate on the Greenbelt trails. We recognize that no two people's opinions match on how these treatments should look or even that the treatment should be performed at all. However, our first duty is always to the life safety of the community, followed immediately by the pre preservation of property of the members of the Baca Gran. We would like to express our appreciation for the cooperation of so many homeowners who have taken the initiative to mitigate their own properties against wildfire to firewise standards. Every home that is properly treated is one more home that firefighters have the possibility of saving in the event of a fire, and this makes the Baca safer as a whole. So, what can you do to increase the fire safety of your home? The FireWise website has many helpful tips. You can find a checklist here at the website for building your new FireWise home or how to make an older home FireWise. That website is csfs.com colostate.edu slash wildfire-mitigation slash protect-your-home-property-from-wildfire slash h. Also, as many of you may have heard, Baca Fire has a wildland program up and running. We now send out a crew and a small Type 6 fire truck to large-scale incidents nationwide. This generates money for the association and offers great experience and training for our firefighters to bring back to our service locally, advancement in their firefighting careers, and great financial incentives for our, firefight for our firefighters who are able to commit to national response. As always, we strive for excellence in our local service and response to emergencies in the Baca and within our mutual aid response areas. We are continually growing, training, learning, and working with our community for the safety of all. 
And now turning to Succeed News, fresh momentum and leadership help Succeed grow. The nonprofit Sawatch County Sustainable Environment and Economic Development Succeed is being revitalized through the dedicated effort of residents and local community groups. Despite more than 23 years of work across the county, Succeed has had a lower profile in recent years as it has worked to build up its staffing, governance, finances, and web presence. With the launch of its new website, new board leadership, and a new development director, the organization is ready to work even more effectively to help Swatch County strengthen its economy, protect its environment, and meet pressing community needs. The idea for Succeed was first sparked in 1997 when more than 30 county leaders attended a workshop on environmentally compatible economic development held by the Nature Conservancy and the Center for Compatible Economic Development. By 1999, Succeed was formalized under a founding charter with a mission to, quote, work together as a community to develop a sustainable economy that builds on our existing strengths, contributes to a strong integrated community, and protects the environment, rural lifestyle, and character of Sawatch County." End quote. In the years since, Succeed has been busy enacting that mission. Projects have included developing and managing a local currency, mountain money, in partnership with the Sawatch County Credit Union, now Aventa Credit Union, installing the Sawatch Airport Weather Station, conducting a ranching history and heritage video project for local schools, publishing the Sawatch Business Resource Guide, and supporting the Kerber Creek Restoration Project. Succeed has also hosted an annual ranching celebration in Story, Song, and Poem, partnered with the town of Sawatch to revitalize the downtown and build the Dave Martinez Park, created the Sawatch County Heritage Map, and developed the town of Sawatch's self-guided walking tour of the historic 4th Street Business District. More recently, Succeed has served as a fiscal sponsor to a number of local community group partners including the Crestone Energy Fair, the SLV Seed Exchange, the Crestone Community Garden, Sawatch Seniors, and Crestone Artists. It has also worked with the Town of Sawatch to facilitate community listening sessions on improving the safety, beauty, and connectivity of the one-mile stretch of Highway 285 that runs through town and it has hosted the Wild and Scenic Film Festival and Pancake Breakfast at the Crestone Music Festival and Crestone Energy Fair. Over the years, much of Succeed's momentum can be attributed to Liza Marone, who was ongoing advocate for this work and served multiple stints as board chair. With her election as county commissioner, she has stepped down from the organization. Replacing Liza on the board chair at replacing Liza as board chair is Swatch resident Max Gibson. Max has been on the board for two years and brings experience in public health and urban planning, including many years working internationally in humanitarian disasters and war zones. Max and his family have been part of Swatch County since he was a kid, and he also works alongside Liza as co-director of the San Luis Valley Local Foods Coalition. Emil Warner, a longtime Swatch County resident with a strong background in operations, marketing, and business development, has been hired as development director. She now leads the day-to-day -day execution and management of Succeed's strategic planning, projects, and partnerships. The board of directors and staff, along with Succeed's community partners, will be meeting to develop an action plan for the organization. This will guide the work 
Succeed does for years to come and will help ensure a prosperous, healthy future for our community. Find out more at the website scseedco.org and on Facebook. And now turning to news from Center, written by C.V. Lopez. Center plans for its future through North 90 annexation. With pre-development plans in hand, Center Town Manager Brian Lujan is busy this February day completing a $10 million grant application as one of the next steps in a land annexation project the town officials believe will help address the housing needs of the San Luis Valley. It's the off-season in Center, with the town's agricultural workforce largely in winter hibernation. Lujan sits in his office working through the housing grant application that, if awarded, will pay for needed electrical and gas lines and water and sewer on 90 acres that sits adjacent to the downtown. How can the town of Center house the future of San Luis Valley is the question posed in a final report submitted by Mass Design Group in its pre-development and engagement master plan that Lujan is using to apply for the grant. In Center's version of the modern-day valley, the town will develop 90 acres of land known as the North 90 annexation into a mixture of housing and commercial development that would spark a revival of the community that sits in the heart of potato country. Already there are curious travelers wandering through, pulled off Highway 285 by the new Frontier Drive-In and its development. As the traveler notices the frontier through its highway marquee, the town of center to the east is easy to spot and makes the traveler wonder what sits just beyond the upscale modern-day frontier. Luhan has had a small army of consultants in and out of center over the past four years helping the town along with its vision and master planning of the North 90 development and its effort to rejuvenate its downtown. We're right on the cusp and that's why we're going after this $10 million horizontal infrastructure grant from the Division of Housing. You can't put any housing in obviously without that infrastructure the streets and everything that is involved to start to build neighborhoods. But we're right there with that, Lujan says. There are signs of new life downtown. A new teen center used by center by the center after school program is outfitted with lounging sofas, TVs for video games, and a basketball arcade that makes the space inviting and useful. Elsewhere downtown, Several storefronts are under renovation with promises of new spaces for artists and a revival of the old theater, among other possibilities. Luhan at the moment is hoping for a coffee shop downtown and other retail that would help spur activity. But it's the North 90 annexation and the dream of those 90 acres turning into a mixed use of housing and commercial development that holds Luhan's attention as he works to bring in grant money and then other investors into the project. The plan calls for housing to meet all income levels, a balance between larger commercial businesses with smaller local businesses, and leveraging development of North 90 to expand workforce development. The push to build housing now to support commercial development is supported by a 2021 San Luis Valley Housing Assessment. It shows the valley in need of about 1,885 housing units for residents and employees by 2026 to meet both existing and future housing demands in the six-county region. Center is planning to help meet that demand through its North 90 annexation, which it believes will kickstart other momentum. That's really our hope, says Luhan, and back he goes 
looking for more money to make it all a reality. This article was reprinted with permission from the online Alamosa Citizen. And now turning to the Native Plant Talk column, The Extraordinary Adaptations of Cacti. This is written by Carol T. English, Colorado Native Plant Society, SLV Chapter. Move, adapt, or die is a concept I taught my young students years ago when I was an instructor of outdoor education. Many birds, some mammals, and a few insects have adapted to migrate to warmer climates as temperatures drop in the fall and food sources disappear. Plants cannot walk, swim, or fly, and therefore they must adapt to their surroundings. On November 12, 1859, Charles Darwin published On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection. This book and the concepts Darwin proposed profoundly changed biology. Darwin described two major points, the first being that organisms on Earth are descendants of ancestral species that are different from species we see today. Secondly, he proposed that the mechanism of this evolutionary process be called natural selection. The result of natural selection is evolutionary adaptation, or simply an accumulation of inherited characteristics that enhance an organism's ability to survive and reproduce in specific environments. Cacti possess striking examples of evolutionary adaptations that allow them to survive periods of extreme drought and extreme heat while still maintaining hydrated tissues. One of the oldest ancestral species of modern-day cactus are leafy plant species in the genus Perischia that have leaves and spines, yet also possess adaptations for water storage. It is thought that cacti worked their way from South America to North America only in the last five million years, which is relatively recent on the geol geological time scale. Today, there are at least 2,000 species of cacti in the world, 200 species in the United States, 18 species in Colorado, and approximately 8 species in the San Luis Valley. Cacti survive and thrive in extremely dry, hot environments. Just how would you adapt and morph if you had to grow in very hot, dry climates without being able to move? You would need to somehow create shade and store water. Spines on cacti are modified leaves. Most cacti gave up on leaves long ago since the large surface area of leaves transpires water continuously. Now, instead of leaves being the main factory for photosynthesis, stems take on the role of manufacturing sugars. Spines certainly do protect cacti from munching predators, yet more importantly, they provide shade for the cactus and reflect the sun's rays. This insulates the plant in both hot and cold temperatures, and some cacti have antifreeze chemicals in their cells, which also prevent freezing during winter months. To store and reduce water loss, cacti have evolved very thick, waxy skin. Just like humans, all plants have to breathe and exchange gas in and out of their bodies. Plants breathe in CO2 through pores on their skin, called stomata. Stomata typically occur on the surface of leaves and open during the day so that CO2 enters their system and photosynthesis can immediately occur. In cacti, the stomata do not open when the sun is up. They wait and open at night, thus preventing too much water loss through the pores. This is called CAM, or Crassulation acid metabolism. The CO2 is stored via a very complex chemical process and released during the day so photosynthesis can occur with closed stomata. Most cacti stems have evolved into a swollen, roundish shape, and this cat 
This shape allows for water storage. Cacti roots typically grow laterally, and during rain events the roots grow and produce ephemeral rain roots that quickly take up water and store it in the main swollen plant body. The water is stored in cells that contain a gooey substance called mucilage that clings to water molecules and prevents them from evaporating. Next time you see a cactus, you can marvel at the astounding evolutionary adaptations that have occurred through time via the process of natural selection that Charles Darwin so eloquently described in 1859. If you have interest in native plants, consider joining the San Luis Valley chapter of the Colorado Native Plant Society. The cost is only $25 annually. And if you are on Facebook, check out the San Luis Valley CONPS chapter page. If you ever have a native plant question, you can reach me at the email address slvchapterpresident at gmail.com. And in a corresponding article, Are Prickly Allies, the Importance of Cacti in the San Luis Valley, written by Zela Pearson Good. Although they pose an occasional inconvenience with their pokey spines at all, cacti are a vital part of the San Luis Valley ecology. Native only to the Americas, cacti nourish and hydrate wildlife, pollinators, and insects, enrich soil, provide medicine and materials to humans, and add spectacular natural beauty to our arid landscape. These incredibly resilient and adaptable succulents are the original residents of this land and should be revered as such. Carol English, local botanist, biologist, and president of the Native Plant Society SLV chapter, explains that for an ecosystem to thrive, it needs a diversity of native plants. In our dry climate, cacti add that critical diversity. Their juicy, moisture-rich bodies provide nourishment for local wildlife like deer, coyotes, rats, rabbits, birds, and even humans. Cacti also supply nectar and shelter for birds and insects during migration events. These services are imperative when considering recent reports from National Geographic that claim a global decline in 40% of insect species. Furthermore, cacti support the establishment of other plants. Carol describes cacti as nurse plants because they provide shade and nutrients to other seedlings as they take root in the hot, barren soil of the desert. Cacti also stabilize the soil, protecting against erosion. As some of the most drought-resilient species in the southwest, cacti are known to persevere in incredibly harsh conditions and prepare damaged environments for future plant recolonization. For this reason, Carol sees cacti as being some of the most well-equipped species to face climate change. Used by indigenous peoples for thousands of years, cacti also benefit humans. For example, pigment derived from cacti is used to make natural dye, the spines to make needles, and the pads to make containers. Furthermore, the vitamin and carbohydrate-rich prickly pear fruits, juice, pads, and stems are nutritious and medicinal. The Mayo Clinic praises prickly pear for assisting in the treatment of obesity, high cholesterol, and diabetes. Traditionally, it has been used as an effective remedy against rashes, wounds, and infection. With vibrant blooms and charming shapes, cacti also add an iconic natural beauty to desert landscapes. Of the 18 known cacti species in Colorado, we have eight in the SLV. Known for their stunning blooms, three species of hedgehog cacti color the SLV. Crimson petals decorate the scarlet and claret cup hedgehog cacti. 
The radiant yellow and green petals of the nylon hedgehog can be viewed across the valley, except for when they sink into the ground to hibernate for winter. Pink flowers crown the pincushion cacti, an especially cute succulent distinguished by its bulbous body. The tree choya and the mountain cactus are the tallest of SLV cacti, growing to heights that qualify them as trees. And of course, the most prolific of our cacti, two species of prickly pear, grow ferociously throughout the SLV. Native only to North and South America, cacti are special residents of this land. They are allies to all life in the San Luis Valley. To learn more about the Native Plant Society and their mission for furthering the knowledge, appreciation, and conservation of native plants and habitats of Colorado throughout, through education, stewardship, and advocacy, contact Carol English at slvchapterpresident at gmail.com. And speaking of plants, SLV Seed Exchange is April 1st and 2nd. 13th Annual 2023 San Luis Valley Seed Exchange will take place on Saturday, April 1st, and Sunday, April 2nd at Joyful Journey Hot Spring Spa, beginning at 10 a.m. each day. Saturday will close down at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 2. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.